Welcome back, everybody. This is the Whiskey Reporter. I am Steve Kerr, and I am joined by Kerpal Sukumar, my good whiskey buddy, and also wine aficionado. I, I like to refer to him as that as well. Today, uh, now, Steve, Steve, come on, let's be real here. That's wine snob. Is there oh. a difference? Uh, aficionados are are less likely to be called drunks. Maybe. Oh yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, do you really want to be referred to as a drunk? Only if it's accurate. Well, aficionado just sounds much more fancier. Is that like I'm, calling? I'm yourself giving you a, a nice title here, man. Yeah, well, I mean, is is that like <clears throat> rich people calling themselves eccentric instead of batshit? <laughs> <laughs> we are here to talk about good whiskey, and I can think of none better to review than this Green Spot Single Pot Irish Still Whiskey. It's a triple distilled Irish whiskey. Bottled at 40%, so it's 80 proof, by Mitchell & Sons Company, which is a, uh, a company, they're, they're a, a wine merchant from, from Dublin, correct? Uh, yes, although if you really want to get into it, like I did last week, they're an Irish company who is owned by a French conglomerate, Pernod Ricard. It which seems owns- like the French have, so, have their hands in so many alcoholic uh pies right shocking and it's actually produced completely separate from mitchell and sons who are the ones who are distributing it well honestly Pernod ricard's distributing it but mitchell and son is is the uh the mark under which it's being produced i believe it's the middleton distillery in cork which produces mm-hmm. all the fluid that goes into there and and they produce for a lot of different brands um oh god what Jameson, Redbreast, Tullamore Dew, uh, obviously. Yeah, up until produced. 2014, Tullamore Dew. Tullamore Dew has their own distillery now. And and that's kind of a return. So, so the history of the whiskey industry in Ireland is actually pretty fascinating in that uh, there have been these enormous cycles of conglomeration and then uh, breakup or... A, or a conglomerate kills off a brand and somebody buys the brand and, and starts doing their own thing again. It used to be that all these companies had their own, at least, maturation areas. They, they had their own warehouses. They had their own cellars. They, they had all that. Um, there, there's a long tradition of bottling a spirit produced somewhere else but aged within your control. Um, bottlers like William Grant & Sons, Gordon & McPhail... Um, heck, even um, Compass Box does does very much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll buy industrial quantities of of fluid, uh, and either choose or have it barreled for them, but control the aging on their own. Uh, there's also a whole round of uh things that happen. And- the it it it's the, the the this entire industry is is very very fascinating in that it decouples the production from the maturation, which is something that we've talked about as as being something which is very, very sought after with single malt scotches or or single malt Irish whiskeys. But when it comes to others, uh, there's yet again a a whole different round of uh, negotiations and, and, and business going on in between. Maybe I've gone off on a little tangent there, but uh, you also see from this things like when a distillery uh, goes to test their casks, 
at say a 15 year, they normally bottle at 15. They'll go check them out at, at you know 14 or so before before we're emptying. They're always going to find some casks that the blender doesn't feel will contribute to a consistent blend for whatever they're shooting for. You're always going to find some that were in a corner of the warehouse, that were in the bottom of the warehouse, that were uh, left out in the sun for too long or left out in the sun at all. Um, and those get sold. And sometimes you see independent bottlers do single bottlings of whiskeys at kind of odd years from, from Ion Distilleries. I, I was recently in a um, liquor store and saw a Calila nine-year which I mean, who 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 would bottle at that? But it is very much the situation. Calila found a bottle that they didn't believe would go into what they were trying to get it for, and they also didn't believe was either good enough or on on trend enough or you know on on their characteristic enough to hold for longer. So they'll sell mm-hmm. it, and sometimes you will see independent bottlings that have no distillery on them. Kirkland for Costco does a number of these and it will say Highland, it'll say Speyside, it'll say whatever, but it won't have any branding on it except, yeah, it'll it'll have no mention of of what distillery came from. Cloaked in anonymity. So Mitchell and Son date all the way back to 1805. They were established as a bakery and a confectionery business in Dublin. It took some 80 years uh, for them to expand production and go into the wine and, and spirit business. Well, uh, it, it, it really had a lot to do with what was going on in the mid to late 1880s, where there was a, a large importing of either fortified or aged wine casks into Great Britain. Or into the United, Well, it wasn't the United Kingdom then, it was still Great yeah, it Britain. Wasn't. Into Great Britain, and... Obviously, these things stack up because they'll they'll be shipped over in casks and then bottled in in Britain and and the uh, and and the bottles distributed on the island. But these casks are still there. Mm-hmm. You will find if if you look at the history, quite a lot of distilleries started using and using quite heavily sherry and port casks in the last half of the. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait. The 1800s. Yeah, in the last, in the last half of the 1800s. Well, I, I'm, I'm quite happy they did because I, I quite like the effect of port and sherry on a whiskey. But it, it, it's just sometimes odd to think about this. This was an accident for the most part. They just had these available Tri- and they were yeah, cheap. trial and error. <laughs> but it, I, yeah, this is one that worked out in a big way. And, and you know, Mitchell and Summer were one, of, were one of them that would experiment with this and get their get these casks and fill them up at the, the Jameson distillery and then take them back and they're, you know, it would be like a, a horse and buggy, a horse and cart and take them back and where they would be aged at the, in their cellars, which were fascinatingly under the streets of Dublin. They had this whole kind of network of cellars under, you know, one of the streets was Fitzwilliam Lane in Dublin, but they had a, under other uh, streets as well. This is just quite remarkable. People are traversing the streets above and below our whiskeys being aged. It, it, it's, like, it's like a better version of the catacombs of, of, of Paris, you know, except without all the murder yeah. um, or, or segregation or, you know, 
racism. But anyway, <laughs> well, there's there's no room for that in the glass. So no. what do you say? We've got a we've got our glasses poured here. Let's let's take a look at the color. Uh, I'm going to go back to talking about this in terms of things that might be on a shelf. Uh, yes, I, I, I could wax rhapsodic about the, the lovely golden hues and, and the slight coppery tones. And if you look around the meniscus, you get, you get a, a, a slightly different, uh, yeah, they're definitely deep copper notes. Yes. Yeah, but, but I'm, I'm going to go back to saying something like it's a bit lighter than apple cider vinegar. Obviously no relation to, to that fluid, except that no, no relation to that fluid, excuse me. But the color is very nice. Um, it's darker than some we've seen, especially the, the Lefroig. Um, that one was quite pale considered, compared to this. No, no and, and what our, our, viewer, our, our listeners have come to realize and what we've talked about is that the cast that they mature in are going to contribute to the color. This is ex-bourbon and also ex-sherry cast that this has been aged in, as opposed to, you know, an ex-bourbon might be a little bit lighter, uh, you know, depending on how long it's aged. But uh, Ah, here's, here's another fun note. Ex-bourbon casks really only became popular for use in, in, in Scotch and Irish whiskeys after, well, excuse me, a couple of years after the end of Prohibition, simply because... Before Prohibition, there was no real requirement on, on what you call bourbon. And one of the things that came out of Prohibition was that the U.S. needed to restart its cooperage industry in a big way. And what's the best way to bump up the, the cooperage industry? You make sure people are using new barrels. Mm -hmm. So when, when the definition of, of what makes bourbon changed to using new barrels... Yeah. All of a sudden, there was a glut of used barrels in the market that could no longer be used to make something called bourbon. So they started shipping them out. And the Scots and the Irish and the English being what they are, and also the French and, and, and quite a lot of other people around the world, said, these are perfectly good barrels. Let's see what they'll do. They're perfect for their more delicate whiskeys. And actually, there are other American whiskeys which are which do use ex bourbon barrels. They started using yeah, using yeah, and 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 they're actually very delicate and and uh, I don't remember the name of it now, but but there was one that I tried. It was a hundred percent corn whiskey, and it was remarkably mild, slightly fruity. Uh, really, one hundred percent corn. Yes, aged in ex bourbon barrels, but it was very pale as well. Because as, as I've talked about before, those first two years in the barrel, the alcohol is extracting a ton from the wood. Mm -hmm. And I've gone off on a tangent. Yeah. Right. Let, let, let's stop that now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it just came from you saying, yes, the, the fluid in, in our glasses right now was aged in ex-bourbon and sherry. The fluid that they were producing at the end of the 1800s was quite probably almost entirely matured in sherry and next sherry casks because that's what was more commonly available at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, let's see if any of that sherry influence comes across in the nose. It is definitely not as redolent of the dark fruit and spice that I've come to expect from 
sherry and the Spanish oak that's aged in. But there is... There's still a slight slight sherry, yes. sherry note to it. Uh, but yeah, more like toffee and malt. I'm 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 actually getting more Some vanilla floral and notes like um, honeysuckle, and um, obviously a little bit of that that candy sugar. The, mm-hmm. the there, there's there's a depth to it that mm-hmm. is surprising for and and is, well is surprising for not only the age of the whiskey but also for a whiskey that is even partially matured in expert minerals. Correct. Yeah, this is – so the green spot used to be – the standard used to be it was in a 10-year whiskey. Now in modern days, they've kind of shifted a little bit. Uh, it's a it's a combination. It's a blend of the of 7 to 10-year aged whiskeys for this green spot. So just something to uh, – you know, it's just kind of interesting how it's evolved uh, over over time. Well, and okay. well, I mean, also considering that, uh, going back to a conglomeration of, of drinks companies and, and further split up, it makes perfect sense that Pernod Ricard would have a strong uh, well, interest. Blending history. It, yeah. Blending history and also an interest in, in Michelin Sons because, well, those wine casts need to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And in today's world, you better have your line on a source for them years in advance. I, I don't know if you know this, Steve, but every single barrel that I believe it's Maker's Mark uses is actually leased from the time it is it is produced and leased to Maker's Mark for two years. Hmm. Or two, yeah, two, two, two years up to the time that they do. All throughout that time, those barrels are actually owned by Calila, I believe. So, in order to maintain their supply line of ex-bourbon barrels, they've taken it all the way to the source. Mm-hmm. They are either produ- smart. they are either producing or purchasing the barrels directly, and then leasing them to Maker's Mark, who needs them for only those two. Who needs years. to use them for their whiskey, and right. then they give them give them the Cow Isla. Yeah, just hand them right back. And everybody wins along the way. Yeah, whiskey wins. Our palates win. Indeed. I got a little little bit of a... So I'm starting to pick up a little bit more on the, the floral notes you were getting. I'm, but it's kind of like, for me, a grassy kind of floral. No, it, it's definitely not like one of those heavily floral uh, scents like you like orange blossom or rose or things like that. Um, much more delicate in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to say lavender because that brings to mind, well, soap. So, <laughs> but it is a uh, more delicately floral. Mm-hmm. All right. I think, I think we can taste this now. Mm. That is immense on the on the palate for those of you who have not yet tried green spot and are going to go out and try it you're in for a real treat this one what came to my palate is buttercream butter but buttercream wrapped in some 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 of that some fruit some light fruit some clove there's a real nice creaminess texture to this whiskey and then it slowly gives way to the malt i don't know what do you what are you getting from it it might be something totally different. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting touches of those baking spices we've talked about before with sherry, but also a 
rich caramel that is both deep and delicate. It, it, it's very odd to think of it that way, but it is not a slap you across the face. Here, suck on a piece of caramel. It's one of the notes inside. It's a very it's like dis- a, a cream caramel and toffee. Yeah, combined um, almost in, in in ways. Not all of our listeners are, are, are going to know what this is, but treacle is mm. uh, sugar syrup that has been boiled down until it's not beginning to be candy yet, but it, it's very dark, um, almost like molasses without the sort of sulfur component of it, um, because it molasses starts from cane juice, whereas treacle starts from sugar. So molasses gets a lot of the, well, leftover solids from cane juice as as the lighter sugars are taken away. Treacle is a, is a far more straightforward caramel flavor, um, but very dark, uh, getting towards the edge of, but just before the uh, before you could call it uh, really starting to burn. Mm-hmm. Um Wow. What almost reminds me of uh, the Werther's original candy. I don't. I don't really want to. No, I don't have a problem saying that. It's got some some of the same elements of it. It's a, it's got the, the 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 texture, the creamy texture. There's almost like a uh, that toffee kind of butterscotch flirtation there that a Werther's has. It it, re- it really is a, a very clean toffee flavor. Um, mm-hmm. if, if any of you have ever. Uh, cracked the outside chocolate off of a Heath bar and eaten just the toffee by itself. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good analogy. But I'm reminded so much of a Heath bar because I'm also getting some very, again, mild some... cocoa notes in the background, which I just got a, a, a hint of while we're talking about toffee. And of course, my mind goes to Heath bar because, you know, I'm from where I am. But that's not all that's going on here. You know, no, there's a little nuttiness to it. What are we getting in the finish on this? Well, I, I mentioned that that touch of cocoa, but the mm-hmm. um, that light spice and the caramel really lingers. Also, it, the sense of the grain, the, that barley sweetness it, is is very very apparent in this whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's accented and enhanced by the other experiences around it: the the floral notes, the the caramel, the the cocoa, the spiciness the almost well, fatty character of it but that straightforward grain note that grain sugar note is front and center throughout this whiskey yeah see on the on the finish what hit me first was the there's like a, a warm buttery flavor which it does vanish and it gives way to the spice as you spoke about to the vanilla and the cream but it does kind of end up with a clean finish after about 10, 15 seconds. Um, I don't have it lingering. I think that speaks to the, the, the delicateness of the whiskey. Well, it's, Which it's, is an it's, excellent Irish whiskey, by the way. Yes. This, this whiskey is definitely phenomenal, especially uh, at its price point. Because I think the first time I bought Green Spot, it was right around $48 a bottle. I think... On a really good day, I can now get it for about fifty-five-ish. On an extra special day, if you coach it just right and find a place that's having a percent-off sale and, and at the same time pricing things near MSRP, 
you can get it for 50. This last bottle was purchased that way and I got it for right around mm -hmm. $50. Yeah, good for you. Which I'm, I'm very happy with. I know Mike has it uh, for fifty-seven ninety-nine. I think now. He's bumped it up a little bit, but that's that's not him. That's the uh, the distributor increasing the price, yeah. which is still not a well, bad price for it. I've seen it listed for much more. Honestly, if, if someone had told me this was an $80 whiskey, I would have said it's probably on, on par with other $80 whiskeys I've had, which is kind of misleading because I've had $80, I've had $80 whiskeys that I absolutely couldn't stand. And I've also had $80 whiskeys that I thought should be marketed at two and a half, three times the price. Yeah, it's a bargain. Uh, still, I'm, at this price, it, it's still a bargain. Um, I don't know if we've mentioned this, but Greenspot is, is widely known. That's, it's become their, their most popular line. But Mitchell & Sons do produce three others. Uh, they have a, uh, a blue spot, a red spot, and a yellow spot line. Now, the yellow spot is a whiskey that's aged 12 years. The red spot is 15 years old. And the blue spot, which just came out in 2020, November 2020, I think, is a uh, seven-year-old that is cast strength. So it's quite beefier than its other, its older brothers. But it, you know, I've tasted it, Kerpal's tasted it, it packs a punch. Uh, it's just almost like a green spot on steroids in a good way, in a good way. I remember... Just as an aside, the blue spot, I took that to a, a, a club gathering a couple weekends ago uh, where a bunch of us parents were hanging around, and I brought the blue spot, and they tried it. And one of, the, one of my friends, Chris, said that this is why I don't drink whiskey anymore because it's too good, and he would drink it too fast. That's why he's, he's predominantly a wine guy, but he said that that blue spot is dangerous, and he said to keep the bottle away from it because half of it would be gone <laughs> but in one night. But it's just a testament I, to how to how good these these are, all four of these. Yeah. I, yes, this is. You know, I, I disagree with you that the finish doesn't linger. It's very subtle. It's not something that you would probably notice on a normal day. It's not something that stands out. But there's a sort of lingering sweetness. And just those slightly um, floral notes still in my mouth that I'm experiencing. And, and I haven't taken a sip for at least five minutes. Mm, that's fair. So I mean, that's fair. It disappeared for me. Maybe maybe my palate's just not as sophisticated as yours. Maybe it's attributed to the really spicy dinner I had. could still be in there. But it lasted for like a minute or less. Yeah. For you. And then, it, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a very clean finish for me. And, and I... I mean, I want it to linger longer. I just just didn't get it. I'm I'm, I'm kind of uh, jealous I, that I, you do. <laughs> I, I think this is perhaps a good, a good segue into something I've been wanting to talk about, which is at least as much of your experience of a whiskey is in the vocabulary you have developed to talk about it or think about it as it is. Is in this class. our whiskey tip for the week? It could be. Let's let's I think it probably let's make be. it. Yeah, let's yeah. Do well, it. Let, let, let's call it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, it's we'll, our whiskey we'll tip for the week. The tip, right? uh, I think that anyone on their journey should develop their 
sensory vocabulary. Start exploring words that are written about sensations. Not even necessarily have yourself fit the definition to what you're experiencing, but learn to define things in terms of others uh, for comparisons. I, I talk about honeysuckle and, and apricot sometimes. I talk about uh, medicinal notes or phenols or uh, floral characteristics. And I'm able to do that because I have, over my lifetime, experienced a lot of those things. I, I, I love food. I love drink. I love, well, um, I'm very much a sensualist in, in that way. I love things that engage my senses. So having vocabulary to talk about it, whether it's talking about a really good piece of barbecue and uh, the mouthfeel and the unctuousness and, and the slight tingling from the spice or the vinegar that's in it, that sort of thing. Having those uh, words and having those concepts ingrained will allow you to really explore what you're experiencing in a much more engaged manner, I think. That's a lot of work for many people. I know my vocabulary has increased since I've known you. Yes. You've learned words like sesquipedalian. No, I, I've had people comment to me. He's like, yeah, your, uh, your buddy, Kerpau, he, he has an extensive vocabulary. And I'm like, yeah, man, he's a, he's a, a walking thesaurus. Yes. The least cool dinosaur of them all. At least you're still around collecting dust. <laughs> no, it, it's just the, the bottles collecting dust. Um, although those are just the spare bottles, like the, the, uh, extra bottle, of the, the spare of bottles of your, your, your extinct <laughs> vocabulary. <laughs> no, 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 I, I, I don't, I don't keep, I don't keep the extinct ones around only the full yeah, ones. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's a great tip expanding your vocabulary, especially when you're describing these whiskeys and, and, and what it's doing to your senses, correct? Exactly. Uh, I, I don't think that I could discern near as much as I do from a whiskey if I didn't had not spent the time and really the thought in expanding my vocabulary about the sensations. Mm -hmm. And and there are lots of resources out there. Um, there are, wow, I, I think at one point I found a list somewhere that had something like 1,800 different sensory descriptions. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. That, that there are literally as many descriptions of senses as there are experiences and, and those are limitless so yeah, exactly because each each experience is new and also each experience is subjective mm -hmm. each person has their own experience of the we same thing experience the same thing and experience it differently yes and that's what this is about that's why we have the two of us here tasting this because no one person is going to experience everything and even if that was possible that one person wouldn't be able to describe it to anybody else or share it because you require vocabulary to share those concepts. So one, don't be stingy with your whiskeys. If you find somebody who you believe will appreciate what you are sharing, share it. I've met some of the, my best friends in the world doing exactly that. And if you can't share what's in your glass, say you're out, in a bar somewhere, at least share your experience and I'll get off my soapbox for the week. Well, sometimes it's those experiences which 
leave an indelible mark on the uh, on the soul on on the person, and you know they they live on forever. Why not with whiskey? Why not with sharing whiskey with friends? You know, <laughs> hearkening back to stories and 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 you know good times that you share with one another. That's how I've always tried to live my life, and. The people who are receptive to that are the people who are who I normally try to maintain as friends because. Well, then what am I still doing it, here with you? Uh, tasting whiskeys. Is that what we're doing? I thought we were just uh, discussing philosophy. Uh, I mean, we could. Uh, no, I think I'd just rather drink yeah, some whiskey. We'd have to go through the rigmarole of renaming the podcast. No, see, see, if if we if we pivoted and became a philosophy podcast. We, we could keep it as the Whiskey Reporter. We just have to be drunk while we discuss philosophy. <laughs> oh, wait. Isn't that all of them already? No, that, that was a Monty Python skit and a song. Mm-hmm. So, funny thing is, Greenspot was their sort of mainline whiskey for many, many years. And I think it was only just after 2010, I think 2011 or 2012, when the Yellow Spot came out. And a lot of people were very excited about that. And then I think Red was finally brought back in 2018. 2018, yep, that's right. Yep. And, and the yellow spot was 2012. Yeah, and then we now have Blue coming back. Well, excuse me, it has Yeah, as back. I said earlier, it was uh, November 2020 is when it, when it came back. Yeah, but it's come back after 56 years. Uh, that's, that's one heck of a vacation. But it's also indicative of the fact that Irish whiskey in general is coming back. Irish whiskey yeah, in, in general is 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 coming back in a big way, and people are once again beginning to realize that it's the entire world is not Scotch, the entire world is not Scotch style whiskeys. Right. There is be, there is benefit and there is joy in enjoying all these different kinds of whiskeys. Uh, I, I believe there's a distiller in um, I think it's New Zealand who actually dries his malted barley over sheep droppings. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would never think to do that. Um, I don't know how this guy did. Do you know how he... he... But, well, well uh, what is there a lot of in New Zealand and parts of Australia? Sheep. And that leads to large piles. <laughs> I got to do something with of... these piles. <laughs> For thousands of years, people have used the droppings of herbivores for heat, for cooking, etc., etc. Once it is dry, it doesn't smell like... Uh, it starts to get petrified, right? ...that anymore. It basically. But once it's completely dry, it basically breaks down almost into a powder. Mm-hmm. And can then be burned because there's still quite a lot it's of... It's got some nutrients in the, it, too. Yep, uh, it's still quite a lot of the, the straw and hay and things like that that don't get digested are still there. I have never tried that whiskey. I have heard reports from people who have. One, it does not taste anything like sheep dropping smell, and they it's actually supposed to be quite good. Well, we'll have to maybe do a show on that one. I wonder if Mike can get if that. If we can get it into this country. Yeah, it's, stuff like that's probably really, really limited. Yeah, and and quite expensive. I remember. Yeah, and I wonder what market there is for sheep dropping whiskey. But it would be it'd be interesting uh, to try. Possibly quite a large one, actually, because again, everybody's trying to differentiate. 
Well, that is definitely and, one way of doing it. <laughs> indeed. But it can be forgiven and it, it will be looked past if, as long as you have an excellent product. Yeah, the product is everything. And here we run, run back around once again to what's inside the glass is what really matters. And what's inside this glass is rapidly disappearing and quite excellent. Yeah, it's funny how the good ones sneak up on you like that. They just they just kind of disappear. And all of a sudden you're looking down going, what happened to my whiskey? And then you try to get up and realize, oh, I've drunk entirely too much of it. Yeah, or and you look over to your bottles like, this was once a nice full bottle. Why is there only like two pours left in it? I mean, that's, that's uh, what I'm looking at right uh, now. Harkening back to that, that most erudite of sages, why is the rum gone? <laughs> Well, I'm not going to add water to this. It's 40%. I don't think it also it needs it. It does not. Um, that there, I don't believe that... Uh, the one thing that water always does is it brings all of the experience of the oak kind of front and center. And I think in this case, it really would just clobber everything Yeah, else. because the wood is still there. And, and you don't want to get hit over the head with it. No. No. Especially not in a, especially not in a dark alley. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that can be quite dangerous. Um, there's no news this week, and there's a real good reason behind it. Because there's literally no news yeah, this week. There's, it, it's. I the, looked at the, the, the biggest story. The, yeah, <laughs> the biggest story still is the Lafroig sherry cask. And if you don't believe me, there, well, there are on this on the page where I go to look at the whiskey news from around the world. There are two articles just talking about it and there's very little else there there's a couple of sales with auctions and a couple new releases some whiskey and even a glass bottling oh yeah i I was going to talk about that Uh, yes uh new developments in 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 packaging yeah because because we really care about and and, 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 you know it's fine if you're a glass freak i'm not i don't think kerpel is too uh is either um so let me just i guess augment the news section with I want to give a, a special congratulations, uh, happy anniversary to one of our listeners, Larry, to him and his wife. Uh, I see in our, our Whiskey Reporter seller group on Facebook that his wife, as a anniversary present, just gifted him uh, a, a Spaybird 10-year uh, whiskey that he's enjoying tonight. He posted that. So happy anniversary to you and yours, Larry. Uh, many years to you both. And congratulations. Uh, 10 years is a significant well, I don't know if it's ten. Uh, it's a. It might be a ten-year anniversary. Um, oh, right. That's right. He didn't say. What yeah, year he didn't it was. say what what year. Uh, it is. And, I, and I, I certainly wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't ask his wife how long they've been married because, well, that might get a little bit awkward. I uh, mean, I, I see he posted that he has a picture of it with his some some ice balls in a in a Mets glass. You know, you can you could, the Mets I'm not too fond of, but the 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 whiskeys. But but we just said we don't care about packaging. Remember. Yeah. Yeah, well... No, no. Don't be a hypocrite, hmm. Steve. Don't be a hypocrite. All right, I'm going to forget it. I'll let it go. <laughs> I still wish you guys the best. Uh, I also want to thank Mike Beckley. Beckley's Country Store is the sponsor of this show. It's where I got this bottle of Green Spot. It's where I get a lot of my bottles. Probably 80 90% of my bottles come from Beckley's because he simply has the lowest prices that I can find in the area. If you live in the Frederick, Maryland area... Make Beckley Store your place for beer, wine, or liquor. As I said, they have great prices on everything. Mike orders special bottles for me. He's texting me, you know, at least a couple times a week. 
he gets these new whiskeys in. He wants to see if I if I'm interested, or he he's constantly trying to find whiskeys that I like. He's got a long list. He'll do the same for you. So if you're in the Frederick area, or just passing through, and you want that special bottle of whiskey, wine, or beer, go ahead. Stop by Beckley's Country Store, located just off the south side of Route 15 on Willow Road, and you'll be very, very happy that you did. I will say that Steve shared with me today a bottle of uh, Suntory Hibiki Harmony that Mike had sent him a picture Mm -hmm. of, which is, while not a terribly rare whiskey, is increasingly difficult to get these days. And if you're a fan, it's good to know people who can get it. Plus... Uh, from my personal experience, he, he will put in the work to, to hunt something down if you really He it. really does. Sometimes I feel bad that like I'm texting I'm texting Mike again. Like I was just in there and he's gotta be like what who, who does this guy think I am? Or uh he's just going, Wow, this guy's a ridiculous lush. <laughs> I was thinking that or But or, I, like, I, I but he, but I know he knows better. And we know Yeah, better. these bottles that I have that I get from him. I have some that have been on the shelf here in, in the house for six years, six, seven years that have lasted that long. I just, you know, I'll buy them, I'll review them for the show or, you know, I'll, and I'll usually just go back to them every once in a while. It's not like I'm drinking whiskey every day. I'm not doing that either. It's just I want to share them with friends or, you know, I, I, you know, I kind of move on to, to, to something else to, to taste. And I just, th- these bottles do just sit. So to the point where, like, I've, I've got a whole bunch of bottles and, my wife, Danielle, just said the other day, she's like, you've run out of room for your whiskey again. I'm like, yeah, and I just did clear room back in, in, in the winter f- for them, and that's already filled. And I, So I've got to figure something else out here. Perhaps I should uh, invest in one of those storage facilities that are climate controlled. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I'm not going to do that. But it hasn't gotten that out of control. But seriously, I, I, as you get more and more involved in, in whiskey and, and, and searching out whiskeys and trying new whiskeys, you got to be prepared to, to store some of these or else maybe I should just cool off for a little bit. I'm pretty sure that if you weren't the one pointing out whiskeys to me, I would be pointing them out to you. Yeah, both of us are so, the, the devil on each other's shoulder. With that, you got any final thoughts? You ready to, ready to sign off and let these people go out and get this green spot for themselves? Um, don't go all, uh, don't all go out at once because, uh, I, I really wouldn't appreciate a, a run on the market of it because it's really good. And, um, if you all run, <laughs> I'm kidding. Go get yourself a bottle. It's very, uh, it, it's underpriced for what it is and it's extremely economical, even at a slightly inflated price. Go get it. It's really, yeah, right it. around the, I would say $60 and under, you're getting a really good deal on it. And I, I don't, there are some other places that have it for slightly higher. If you're seeing it for 70, go to another store. I would say or order, order online. online. You're going to find it, you know, for cheaper than 70. So I wouldn't pull the trigger on that. Not that it's not worth it, but why overpay when you don't have to? That's another thing. You could use that $10 and save it towards another bottle of whiskey or something, you know, down the yeah. road. Well, I, I mean, I, I said long ago, uh, I think in the first episode we did together, patience is going to be at once your greatest ally and your biggest enemy when it comes to, to whiskey, because you're going to look at things and go, I, I, I can't wait. I have to have it now. 
and then find out either it really just isn't to your taste or you massively overpaid We've for it. We've both done that. Yep. And you could also look at something and go, you know what? It's been there for weeks. I can wait. And then suddenly find out that it's gone. It's, it's gone and there is absolutely no chance of getting it ever again because it has been snapped up by everybody. Uh, it was talked about on some whiskey board or podcast or, or news story and all the bottles that were manufactured have been snapped up and now the only chance to get them is to pay secondary market prices exorbitantly yeah exorbitant prices kind of like the McCallum find editions your... hush that's, a, that's case <clears throat> point but um yeah okay well that's going to do it for this week's episode remember don't imbibe and drive please drink your whiskey responsibly i hope you guys have a a, a great uh weekend enjoy if it's nice weather enjoy the weather but more than that enjoy what is inside of your glass, whether that be this green spot or whatever else you have in the cabinet at home. Just an aside, if you believe that you are unable to enjoy your whiskey responsibly, send it to us. We will happily enjoy it very responsibly. Yeah, email the show and we'll give you we'll privately give you our uh, our mailing addresses. <laughs> Alright, on that note, have a great weekend everybody. Cheers. Yes. Have a good night. Cronky out. <laughs>